Hello and welcome to another episode of A Spoonful of Recovery. Just as usual, a few trigger warnings. We will be talking about symptoms of illnesses, mental health. So if you find any of those topics challenging, this episode may not be for you. Okay, so today I have Wasifa. So Wasifa, if you could just introduce yourself. Hi, Sheila. So my name is Wasifa and I have been working as a blogger for the last um, 10 to 11 years. I have a blog called Sifa's Corner where I talk about chronic illness, how to make life easier and more beautiful with a chronic illness and how to like get by every day. You know? I also talk about motherhood, healthy living, nutrition and uh, female lifestyle. So my uh, social platforms are Sifa's Corner and my blog is sifascorner.com. So there's quite a lot of stuff there that you talk about. Do you mind just telling us what you've been diagnosed with? I have been diagnosed with thoracic outlet syndrome. It was back in, I believe, 2004. Mm -hmm. I started developing a little bit of neck pain, stiffness and uh, pain in my shoulder around chest area. So first I thought that, oh, maybe I'm playing uh, tennis too much or I'm playing the handball too hard and that's why it's uh, hurting. But uh, gradually the pain got so worse that uh, my parents had to take me to the doctors. They did a did x-ray and they saw that I have two extra ribs around mm -hmm. my cervical area. And those ribs are pressing down my nerve and blood supply around the shoulder. That's what was causing the pain. Gradually the pain turned into numbness and uh, almost uh, like uh, loss of motion and loss of grip in my hands. So it went on for a couple of more years before I went to the first surgery in 2010. I went to the went to surgery to Chennai and I had my, my right cervical rib removed. After that, back in 2012, I had another surgery to remove my left, left rib. But uh, unfortunately, they could not remove the whole thing. They just took part of, out of it because my body was so, the anatomy was so extensive and uh, like so altered, you know? So they could not take out the whole thing. They just took a little bit of out of it. And so I still have some left and that's still causing me pain after all these years. Something that a lot of people can relate to pain. So oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> how does it impact your daily life? So in terms of your symptoms? I have to, I have to religiously, religiously follow the spoon theory, you know, I, I cannot do any big work, like two or three big works on the same day. I have to take one big work and the other small essential work. So like uh, my left side is worse. So I have pain on my neck, my shoulders and my arms almost all the time. Like even as I'm talking to you, it's morning here in Fargo, North Dakota at uh, it's 10 o'clock. I am, I just woke up at five. I am already having pain on my left side. My fingers are starting to get tingly. So I am used to this pain, but if I do any physical job, like if I go to the groceries, I do grocery shopping for an hour or two and I come back, the pain will get really worse. I'll have to lie down, I'll have to rest or take a Tylenol or something or take a hot shower. So this is how I am adjusting my life with the chronic pain every day. 
Yeah, and it's definitely not easy. You mentioned the spoon theory. For those who are listening who may not know what the spoon theory is, can you just explain a bit about that? So the spoon theory is something, for example, like uh, I am a spoonie, like the people with chronic illness, we call ourselves spoonie. I am waking up with, for example, 10 spoons every day. So that's the number, that's the like amount of energy that I have every morning, that morning that I'm waking up. But for a normal person, the person who doesn't have any chronic illness, doesn't have any chronic difficulties, probably they will have 50, 60, 70 uh, spoons or something like that. So when I'm waking up in the morning, I have to think that with my limited amount of energy, which, which work is more important? which work I'm going to spend my spoons on, you know. I cannot like um, go to groceries, then come back home and cook because I don't have as much spoon. I have to save some to take care of my daughter or to finish a deadline, something like that. So that's the spoon theory. That's the basics of it. Yeah, so for example, a a non-spoonie may just wake up, get ready, but that could be two or three spoons in our cases that we've used even just to get ready. Or if we're going to go for a walk or read a book, they again may seem like basic things, but they could take two or three spoons. So that's why we have to spread those sometimes across the week and doing tasks and filling in forms. And that's why the podcast is called A Spoonful of Recovery, for those who did not know. just got the spoony stuff in there and how uh, did it affect you so you had this pain you've had this surgery how did that impact you uh physically or mentally both, <laughs> both. okay so physically it just affected my whole lifestyle like I was a I was a very active person I used to play tennis I used to play handball I used to like do all those stuff, you know, active stuff, you know. But uh, after getting diagnosed, I couldn't even lift a pen to write down anything. My grip was so weak. My motor function was diminishing. But after the surgery, I got my motor sensation and my grip uh, back. But it's not 100% and uh, it hurts. And I cannot do certain works. Like I cannot lift something heavy or I cannot put my arms around, uh, I mean, arms up too long it will like cause really pain and my fingers will start tingling and um, like uh, like you talked about like um, when a non-spoony person goes for a run then comes back take a shower go to work my life is not that if like when it's summertime and I'm planning to okay let's take a walk so that I can get some exercise it's like after the work, uh, after the walk, I will have to come down. I will have to just lay down on the couch to catch my breath. It's not like uh, that. I'm not uh, a very, uh, what do you call, very active person. It's like my pain will get really worse mm-hmm. as my arms are moving when I'm walking. Just a simple walk, my pain will get worse, and uh, the uh, the grips will get worse and uh, stuff like that. So that's how I, so that's what happens. And uh, I just adjust, adjust adjust the work accordingly. So that's how I manage my physical health and about the mental health. Uh, It got really bad after the diagnosis. The first thing that happened was really, uh, I got really angry and Mm -hmm. frustrated. 
like what's why is this happening to me like all the people around uh, my friends and everyone doing this and doing that go, going here and there and I, I cannot simply uh, enjoy anything I remember uh, when it was our wedding ceremony I was just sitting there I was just like clenching my teeth and just trying to control the pain because it was hurting so much with that, you know, the South Asian uh, dress, wedding dress, heavy wedding dress and head stuff, scarves and everything. And I was like, just get me out of this. <laughs> it was hurting so much. And I was like, I could not enjoy my wedding day because I was only thinking that when I would go home and just take this scarf and all this thing from my body so that I can just get relaxed, you know? Yeah. So mentally it affects you. You cannot even simply enjoy the small things like walking around with your child or your child is play, playing backdoor back, uh, backyards and you are playing. You always have to think that, okay, I cannot do this because if I do this, then I cannot make her dinner. Yes. So there's always this like- Consequence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it affects you mentally. You get really frustrated, you get depressed and at the end of the day, you feel extremely lonely. And that's why I started my blog because I was feeling so lonely, so frustrated and like so depressed. I felt like I need to share this thing because I'm not the only one. There are other people like me going through the same thing and I need to share this with them because they will understand and they need to understand that somebody else is out there who is going through the same thing and that person can be your friend. A hundred percent. And quite a few things there like, mentioning the Asian weddings um, <laughs> for those who don't know yes heavy outfits and they last about 10 hours and there's loads of people there it, it can be a lot I remember just attending my friend's wedding my best friend's wedding and I was exhausted and I paid for it for about three or four days and I felt like I wasn't the best maid of honor because I had to keep sitting down <laughs> and I had to delegate a lot so I was like I'm so sorry but these are the things. So how did your friends and family take the news that you had a diagnosis? Were they all supportive or did you have some people who didn't understand? My parents were always supportive. They were always helping, like they were, they were trying their best to like help me out, like make me better and everything. And uh, some family members were like, uh, they will they thought like it will go away after the surgery something that like like it's like not that serious that will last me so long you know and some friends i have lost many friends and gained many because uh, they could not match with my life my current lifestyle and they could not understand what i'm going through sometimes you look you know like uh, if you think from their perspective they're listening every day that i am going through pain and pain and it will get boring one day yeah. Like I cannot spend time with them. I cannot give them any time or help them out or anything. And I'm always sick. And I, I always have to think about my work or my stuff first, because I, I, I cannot afford to think about anything else. I yeah. don't have that energy or I don't have that stamina in me. So some friends were gone, but I found new ones who actually understands you. And uh, like, if, even if we talk, you know, uh, like once a month or one or once in two years or two months or three months, they will still understand that what I'm going through. Yeah. And I think it's so important surrounding yourself 
around good people because I had some horrible experiences. It was like, you're not religious enough. Oh, you're being punished or stop making it. Oh my goodness. This is like, this is the worst. Like if somebody talks about that, it's like, uh, and yeah, it gets really worse. Like, uh, I don't want to talk about faith or anything, but when they talk like that, that uh, you are getting punished or your punishment is getting away or something like that, it's just, it gets frustrating. <laughs> yeah. For me personally, I just thought, but I do pray five times a day. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I just thought, how dare you just say that as in yeah. a, like at the top of your head, just because you can't see the illness or when people said oh you must be making it up then like it's getting boring listening to this and it's like why would I just make up the fact that I'm dropping on the floor randomly like I didn't enjoy it I, there's no financial gain from this and, and that was really hard for me now we're both South Asian did you feel like you faced a lot of stigma around the way invisible illnesses are perceived in our culture mm -hmm. to be blunt south asian culture is they are good there are a lot of positive sides and there are quite some negative sides too one trait that can be both positive and negative is that south asian people can be really nosy yeah. we like to know what's going on in every, each and every person's life like we like to sometimes like to like sometimes we don't have any bad intentions sometimes we just want to maybe help out maybe just offer our sympathy and sometimes we just want to gossip <laughs> i don't like the gossiping yeah, same. <laughs> i never did <laughs> I'll, I'll i'll never love love it so the main thing that i have seen the people that the people who have an invisible chronic illness most of the time other people do not believe you just like you say you know like uh, you are making it up or sometimes they will tell like oh i am having this bad, bad knee pain or something like that maybe something that like and when i am mentioning my pain it's like oh it's okay it will go away when i say that it will never go away it's like like they're they not gonna believe you like why will not it go away why, why we will have it for the rest of your life yeah you will not understand that and uh, also one thing that uh, if i talk about my background i studied in dentistry for uh, and i finished my uh, uh, finished my graduation and everything and i started working as a dentry, dentist when my body totally gave up so then i realized that even after that i had the two surgeries but i'm still not well and i should stop being a dentist because if my grip is weak I cannot take care of my patients. Um, and uh, this pain, when you are in constant pain, your focus shifts, your concentration shifts, and that will make a huge negative impact in, if, I, uh, if I am in healthcare business. So that's another reason that I shifted my career from a, a dentist to a blogger. So that was another thing that people noticed that, uh, okay, so what do you do, what do you do whole day? And uh, then I'm like, okay, I write. What, what, what do you write? And I'm writing on my blog. I'm writing on this magazine. It's like, oh, what else do you do? I'm like, what else do you need me to do? <laughs> I laughed because I knew exactly the auntie and uncle who were saying that, as in I can, I can see it. And we have a saying in our culture, like, like what exactly, exactly, exactly. And we care so much and I think that was one thing with me and I'm ashamed to say I felt 
ashamed of my illness because I thought, well, what will people say that, oh, Shayla drops on the floor? And I remember someone saying to my mom, well, no one's going to marry her now. Oh, my goodness. And I just thought, yeah, but why do you care? Like, how are you involved? And, you know, what do you do all day? How are you, like, spending your time? And I'm like, I don't question you. So you don't need to question me. And people want to know about your hospital appointments. It's just really weird. And I'm just like, please don't do stuff like that. Like, don't say stuff like that. It's really weird. Or they want to comment on your appearance. Like, your face looks a bit weird. Have you gained weight? Have you gained weight? Oh, your hair's not as silky as it used to be. And I'm like, yeah, because I am ill. Like, leave me be. And I guess this is one of the reasons why I also wanted to start the podcast and bring on different voices because we have different experiences as well. And like, it's okay. It's not our fault we're ill. We're still human and we still matter. And uh, this, I also faced this too. Like um, after giving birth to my daughter, she was like 11 months. I went back to my country, Bangladesh. So when people saw me, I gave, of, of course, I just gave birth. I gained some weight. And I also cannot be that much physically active so that I can be lean and thin like before. So uh, a neighbor just saw me and said, oh, you have gained a lot of weight, you know? Then I was just looking at, and that was an uncle. That was an uncle. <laughs> and I was just looking at him and like, uh, uncle, actually after giving birth, every woman gets fat. It's, yeah. it, it's nothing. And he was like, huh? <laughs> he was like, why did she say that? <laughs> Yeah, it's just like, oh, mind your own. Um, and how soon did you tell your husband that you had a illness? Oh, that's like, I am lucky in that area because my husband was my friend for a long time. Like we were high school friends and uh, he knew me a long time. So he knew that what's going on in my life. Like I'm going through the surgeries. I am bedridden most of the time and everything. But I believe things would be different it was Aaron's marriage right yeah <laughs> I don't know I'm not there yet but I I know that yeah I can I can my it was love marriage for us but I can I can imagine what would uh, how things would be so different if it was if it was an Aaron's marriage and my like parents would have to like give explanation for everything that what why I'm not working as a dentist and why I'm working just sitting down in my in front of my computer every day doing nothing apparently yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. and I just think the perception is oh so she won't be able to cook and I'm like I can cook and I just think is there any point bothering now because you're just going to be like stigmatized and stuff like that but hopefully there's hope and you're based in the USA right yes what was your experience with the healthcare over there the healthcare is here is a lot better than uh, South Asian country, for, for, for example. Like, um, I have from this year, I have started to pursue special treatment for my chronic illness, like uh, physical therapy and mental health support and stuff like that, because I realized that it's high time I need the support. It's getting too much for me. Yeah. <laughs> Manage everything. So the way they just listen to you, the way they just talk to without like, um, without just giving their opinions and just giving their thoughts, that's, that has been a blessing. Like when the medical professional actually listens to you and uh, like, take, like take, take plans accordingly, that's a huge positive for a 
a person with chronic illness. And did they believe you at the start? So for example, for me, I grew up very healthy. And then when I went to a &E, the first time in my life, they were like, stop making it up, stop making this up. And then the MRI came out clear, the blood tests were fine. And all the specialists went, stop making it up. Did you have any of that experience? For me, I did not have any of that experience, but I have realized that, especially for my daughter, like uh, a couple of years ago, she had very bad uh, fever, like 104, almost five. And uh, for a kid, like she was like three or four years old for, and for the small kid like herself, it was really bad and she started to throw up. And there was a little bit of blood because she just threw up like five or six times. It was getting too much for her. So we just rushed to the ER and uh, when, she, uh, when we took her there, her fever was not there. She stopped throwing up. And so that when the doctor checked her, it was like, she's okay, completely okay. Why are you getting so uh, frustrated? Why are you getting so stressed? And we were like, like what? We should have made video or something that it was actually happening, you know? Because you have to make them believe that it's true. And that's why uh, after that, Whenever my daughter has something really bad that I know that will go away till I reach to the ER or something, I just take pictures or I just take videos and then I will send, her, send it to her primary care provider so that they believe that it's really happening. Yeah, I got to a point where I started filming my job. Yeah. I was so mm -hmm. conscious and I went into these seizures, but I still had my phone always ready and my GoPro because I knew as soon as I went to a specialist, they would tell me, it's in my head and oh, it's not really that bad. Oh, you're just a bit dizzy. I, I had a folder and I would just go, well, this is what's happening. You tell me if that's normal or not. And it's weird because you shouldn't have to do that to get the attention, but it seems yeah. to be so common. Yeah, sometimes you have to be your own advocate because most of the time people will not be that empathic and they will not listen to you. No. So yeah, that's, that's a nice idea. Yeah, definitely. And what was it like accepting the diagnosis? So you mentioned that, you know, you got the surgery, you got the pain, you realized that your life wasn't the same as your friends around you. How did you actually accept it? It took me a long time to accept it, to be honest. Like after I came to, after I came to realize that I have two extra ribs, first I felt special because not everybody has that. <laughs> Only a couple of people have that in work. <laughs> so first I felt very special. Then I started reading about what happens when you have those cervical ribs. What, what will happen uh, if you have thoracic outlet syndrome for a long time. And then like it started to set in. The reality is set in. And uh, I was like, uh, I have to deal with it. So it took me a long time. A lot of dark period. And I just hit the rock bottom at the time. Like I didn't want to do anything and my mental health made my physical health even worse. Yeah. And uh, I didn't want to talk to my parents. I didn't want to talk to anyone, any one of the friends, no one. And it was like eating me from inside. But uh, uh, after I started writing it down on my blog and sharing out and talk to people like me, it gradually became very easier to accept, you know? When I started talking to them, it just suddenly, like, it made sense. Like, 
okay, I have to accept it and then I have to make new path for me. Like it's not end of the world for me, I'm still alive. So I just, I'm just my road has changed and I have to go to a new destination. So yeah. And that's a really nice content way of saying it because I went through the same, I just mentally just didn't want to be on the planet anymore. I thought my life wasn't worth living because I was bed bound and no one would really talk to me. I, nobody really understood, it was isolating. And when even the specialists are saying, oh, it's nothing, you almost feel like you have no one to be safe around because if something happens, you've got 10 people saying, well, stop making it up. So I felt very vulnerable and scared that no one was helping me. And it wasn't until I joined groups and spoke to people about the illness and they were like oh yeah I've been through this and yeah I know what, what you're going through it feels like you've got someone supporting you even though you don't really know them so what do you think can be done to raise awareness about invisible illnesses I think we should talk more about it most of the time us South Asian people or South Asian parents they think that if you talk about especially if uh, like there, if the children, especially girls, if they have a chronic illness that is not visible to other people, they will like they will they will never talk about it. Like it's a flaw in their child, so they will not talk about it. So I I believe talking about it and understanding the disease more and accepting it is the first step step to raise awareness. And uh, another thing that you don't have to take it as a burden. Sometimes some chronic illnesses can be cured and they also can be managed with a medicine or some lifestyle changes or everything. Yes, your life will be different. It's not like, it's not gonna be like before, but still you have a life and it's your responsibility to make it better. I know that physically I cannot be active that much, but I can change my mindset and I can change my attitude so that my daughter or my family members can get that you know like if I am in pain most of the time I'm in bad mood I get frustrated pretty easily I get angry pretty easily I start to yell at my kid or something like that but uh, after taking the counseling from this year I'm doing some grounding exercises and it's really helping me like getting in tune with my emotions managing my emotions managing my stress and uh, talk when and talk calmly so I think uh, talking about these things and learning about these things will really open up people's eyes because if you don't want to learn about it you just want to keep it aside it's not going to go away you know you have to talk about it you have to get yourself educated to be aware aware what's going on so I think that's what's needed yeah absolutely I think for me getting therapy private therapy from a good therapist who understands our culture has been amazing and I realized that I used to dwell on things and I was angry and you know I I wouldn't I would keep things bottled up and I'd suppress my emotions and then when I started to talk about it and crying a bit and just letting it all out I now I I don't let things go but I I still dwell sometimes however there's things that I can cope with better like if someone doesn't understand, I used to have to try and prove it to them. Whereas now I'm just like, that's fine. If you don't want to be part of the life that I have. That's absolutely fine. Some of you just might not understand. Whereas before I, 
I took it very personally and I thought there's something wrong with me and I felt so judged whereas now I've got better coping mechanisms and I realize my illnesses are a part of me but they don't define me like I'm still into similar hobbies and I do things differently but it doesn't mean that I you know I'm not enough for the world and finally do you just want to speak a bit about what we can find on CFIS Corner? So some of the work that you do. I work mainly as a chronic illness advocate and blogger, and I work on motherhood stuff. I help women rise above their chronic illness and embrace a healthy, beautiful lifestyle and a positive mindset. My focus is to present a product or a process in such a manner that will help people with chronic illness feel included, happy, and also guide them to find a solution to their problems. So for example, I can see that you like um, a wing liner. So I will do, <laughs> I will try to do a wing liner uh, you know, for those people who have trembling hands like me, like trembling fingers, weak grips or something like that. Or I will suggest them five eyeliners that are really easy to grip so that they can do it. So stuff like that, you know, I just take the problems that I face or the problems my audiences are facing and then I make content according to that. That's awesome. I just want to say I only started wearing makeup last year <laughs> and I'm, I'm 31 now going on 32 and I, I never used to wear any. And um, when I became ill and I became bed bound and I couldn't read the books that I wanted to read because there was too much, I started wearing makeup. I started trial and error on my face when I was bed bound because I was just so bored. And um, I used to have tremors at the start. And then I remember just like poking my eyes a few times. So that would have been really useful for me and last year. Wearing mascara is like a disaster, right? Yeah, yeah. Always, like I, most of the time, I always smear on my lids and everything. <laughs> yeah totally yeah but I I definitely that's like one thing that I started to do when I was like bed bound have there been any silver linings for you I will say that I have become wiser <laughs> more patient and uh, my outlook to world and accepting and accepting uh, our circumstance has been changed like if if I were a dentist and uh, I was working with my patient, I would not be here talking to you <laughs> and raise awareness for chronic illness and help thousands of people. So I am thinking it like this way, that I am where, where I could help 10 patients or 100 patients. Now I can help 1,000 or even 10,000 people. Yeah, absolutely. And what advice would you give to someone who's been newly diagnosed they're not getting any support, their family and friends don't understand. What advice and tips would you give to them? First, I will tell them to just try to get relaxed <laughs> and control the stress because the first thing that will happen is getting very angry and getting very stressed. When you are stressed and agitated and you talk to people about it and they don't understand, the stress gets, like, gets bigger and bigger, you know? So first it's, really good to control your own stress and uh, like like you said documenting the process if the doctors or the uh, specialists do not believe you or they are saying that it's all in your head or something just document the process write it down or video or make videos or take pictures just like document it so that you can show it to your doctor 
or even even the doctor is not like uh, giving you any attention seek another doctor talk to other people and find your tribe that's my biggest advice you will not find your tribe like you that your friends will be different your friends will not understand so you just have to find up the person that really understands you and generally that person is the same one that is going through the same situation so yeah thank you so much for being part of the podcast it's been really insightful and interesting to learn from you as well so thank you so much thank you so much for having me Sheila I really love talking to you